welcome to Electricians and Mad Men. I'm Ian Gorman. Today's guest is Bob Benson, sound designer at Audio Recording Unlimited, a four-studio facility in downtown Chicago. Bob is a veteran post-production engineer who has spent decades recording, editing, and mixing sound for film, TV, radio, and internet broadcast. We talked in February 2018 in one of ARU's beautiful production suites, 24 floors above Michigan Avenue. What I do at ARU? Well, I do uh, audio for commercials, um, post-production engineer more specifically, and um, audio for radio, audio for on-hold systems, audio for television. Uh, Right now, today, I finished uh, the first effects and music edit pass for a... um, Company agency that has a, a client that's doing a, a convention and they're they're having this big screen you know up there and it's like motivation you know this year we're going to be higher sales and so we do they they have this video that they've cut and to a voice track I recorded and then uh, they marry the the voice against that and then send me the video what I got today and there's a bunch of movements of words and arrows and designs and stuff and so I sweeten it they call it adding some effects and twirls or swipes or swooshes, you know, not too much. It's not supposed to be a football game type thing, but add some stuff into that and, you know, just kind of dress it up a little bit. And So basically just sound design and uh, um, uh, go to lunch, I think, would be the <laughs> two things. Now, now uh, uh, in, in the sound design world, is that uh, uh, stuff that you're uh, pulling from libraries? Is that like Foley that you're creating here? Uh, it mostly comes from our library that we have here. But uh, very often I will uh, need an effect, usually when there's an on-camera person, um, where I'll need to uh, fill in something. So I'll bring a piece of paper in here and crackle the paper up there. Or if I need some like – like movements of uh, body sometimes they'll they'll have to do some we'll have to do some ADR and so of course all the all the sounds gone of course is what replace everything you know they pull off their glasses they drink a drink, drink, drink of water but most of it comes from sound effect library because most of the effects we're looking for are door opens and uh, swoops and sw- you know stuff like that but there was one uh, in industrial I did a number of years ago that it was a multi-screen like three big screens that was going to be in this uh, convention uh, and they had these big square, like um, uh, like big sheets of cardboard, but they were like huge, and they were flying in the air. This is all on, on video, and they would come from far away in the corner, and they would kind of swoop and fly through the air, and they kind of like pop up and down and all that and go through, and they'd form on the right-hand side of the screen uh, like a puzzle. You put the thing together and all that. So as they're flying through, they're kind of vibe, flexing. So I went into uh, we were at a different. I was working in a different studio then. They had an art department down the hallway. There was a place that had an art department, and so I found these big uh, three by four foot uh, cardboard sheets that they would use for drawing stuff and all that. And so when they'd flex it, boom, 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 boom. So I used those. I came in the studio and I would make that sound on the on, and record that sound, and then I placed it against uh, the video. With that, and it looked, look, it looked fantastic. It looked as if it was, you know, coming from, you know, those who actually made that sound, huh. you know, as opposed to, to a special effect for it. it was the actual, like, organically, you know, produced sound. Right. Sometimes it happens, but most of the time it's not. Now, uh, you mentioned ADR for, for anybody listening from the uh, music album world. Uh, ADR is 
automated dialogue replacement? Uh, I right? think it's automated or, I don't, or, or automatic. I think it's automatic, automatic di- and there's nothing automatic right. about it. Yeah. I don't know why they <laughs> – it's like jumbo shrimp. It's it, like, well, which one do you want to have? Right. It's uh, automatic to call you and have you do it. Right. Yeah. Um, Automatically so, a pain so, in the ass. So do I understand right that that is basically redoing sounds in the studio later that were recorded on on set for a film – shoot or a commercial or something like that? Correct. Yeah, you'd have, uh, quite often you'd have a set that looks great, it's lit great, but acoustically it's not the best. There may be a generator off to the side or it's just too roomy and they can't get the microphone close enough to the people without it being in the shot. So very often they'll re-record the talent uh, once the final edit is made to uh, replace their voice. And it's they, the talent will come in, they'll look at a at a monitor, and it's all been spaced out where they have two beep or countdown to when they have to say um, their sentence would, would be whatever it is. And they said it, so they'll be able to replace it, you know, uh, with the same cadence quite – and they also will hear in their in their headphones, they'll hear what they said before. So it takes, it takes, it takes a, a little bit of time to get that right, but it depends on the kind of person. If they're good at it, some are not good at it, some are excellent at it. And then it's up to the engineer then to like mic it correctly, so you're not like on mic, you know, like this, because it's like it would wouldn't sound right, natural. So it's right. to be like off mic, but not too far, because the the room that she's he or she's being recorded in isn't what we're looking at. It could be an outside scene, mm-hmm. so we have to carefully record it so we don't have the room doesn't light up, so we hear the room, and it has to be EQ'd properly, and it's all that. It's a it's mm-hmm. uh, you know get it's our craft is to not be noticed. Right. When uh, someone watches a movie or hears a hear, watches TV and and I'll say, yeah, I did that. Oh, what'd you do? Well, the audio. And they're like, uh, oh, you know, like what? You know, <laughs> good. You, you, did you hold a mic on a, on a stick? Or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, now, also with that isn't just the dialogue, though, but you also have to do all of the ambient sounds in a scene a lot of the That's time, right. too, right? Footsteps, rustling, cars in the background, all that. A- everything, yeah. If, if, if it's like a scene at a bar... Uh, then they have people on in the bar moving around talking, but they're not talking. They're just moving their lips. And then we have to add in the background music, add in the, the guy behind them who's uh, on the cell phone, uh, somebody who's pouring a drink, someone who spilled a tray of, you know, of food. And, and, you know, everything has to be added in there, and it has to sound like it would have been when it was recorded. Yeah. And that's that's a real uh, that's a real challenge sometimes, but I like that's a lot it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a I, lot of fun to do that. I would suspect that a lot of times you end up with kind of like a tapestry of different sounds that you're putting right. together for stuff. Yeah, there'll be uh, effects that I'll create or, uh, or have put together for other projects, and I'm like, this is a really good uh, like, for, like like a fill for like a, a street scene. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I'm going to keep this because I spend a lot of time on that. You know, horn right. here, taxi, siren in the background. And then, you know, getting multiple reflections for, like, a siren that's, like, four blocks away, like, downtown Chicago, there's a siren going out somewhere. And I really <laughs> love hearing going outside, walking into my garage to get my car, and there's a soup of sound of cars honking a couple blocks away, one in front of me, you know, the bus coming by, and then there's a siren, there's a hospital two, two blocks from here. There's always a siren every, like, I swear, every, like, three minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how it reflects off the hard buildings, and it's just all these reflections, and it's kind of a soup of sound. Wow. And that's that's difficult to recreate uh, in Pro Tools. Yeah. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's like, you know, it takes time. It's just not a matter of, like, putting the siren effect in and then bringing <laughs> it down a level. No, you have to create uh-huh. a, you know, a wash, you know. Right. It's a... Uh, 
Huh. Where are you pulling your sources of these sounds from? Are, are they from libraries generally or, or what kind of? Yeah, they're from several libraries. We have at the area, we have a, a network and it's, uh, a, I mean, uh, we have a raid and system. And so they're all on there. And uh, there's, I don't know, I, uh, there's tons of effects. I don't know how many. They actually, they don't weigh anything, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, sound ideas. Uh, uh, and there's other ones I can't even think of. And I don't see who they're from. When we list them, but I'm, there's never a shortage of them. Uh-huh. I mean, it just it's just uh, tons of them, yeah. But they're all from like pre, you know, like sound ideas. And there's another I can't think of the other uh, the other library that I used at the other studio, <sighs> but there's a, a a plethora. And also, we're able to put our own effects in there, and we could search for those. So if I did put a uh, an effect that I liked for whatever it may be, uh, and I think, this is this is good. I'm going to put that in there. So I can import that and, you know, give it a name and, or, or Bob underscore, and then I can just type in Bob and I'll see all my Bob effects. Mm-hmm. So um, that's 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 uh, how that mm-hmm. works. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I, I, knowing the very basic amount that I do about the concept of sound design and, <laughs> and uh, how that's applied in the world, you know, now when I watch a movie or something, you know, I really appreciate that part of it or, or you know, anything, radio, commercial, mm. whatever, anything where there's that whole world created around it and not just the world and the interaction of stuff, but your ability to focus on stuff. And I got to think a lot of times if you're doing something to video, you're probably mixing along with the way the camera's, you know, moving oh, right. and that sort of thing. Or, I mean, not literally like a, a virtual reality thing, but like, mm-hmm. do you find yourself having to kind of sweeten reality a little bit for effect? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There are times where we're, the, uh, the the effects will actually like help uh, help a scene uh, when we cut from one scene to the other one, or a different shot from that scene. The effect, let's say, when there's there's two people sitting at a table talking, and we have the effect. Of, of them at the table where he's stirring the drink with the ice and all that kind of stuff. And then there's, there's another another camera angle that's maybe eight feet away. And um, initially, I would you know, a person may think that then all the effects that they do at the table might mean to be reduced a whole bunch more. But sometimes that won't sound right. Mm-hmm. So it's a delicate – if we were to stand close to them and then walk away from them, then it would sound good to us. But it's because we know we walked away. But because it's unnatural to, to all of a sudden instantly be eight feet right. away, you kind of have to soften that edge a little bit. Hmm. And so if you use creative license, if it makes sense for it to go down because maybe someone walked in front of the camera and then you can bring those effects down. So it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something that is different from doing sound design for radio? Um, yeah, radio is, uh, effects are like, you know, the, the voice is front and then the effects are like right with that person or right behind them. Mm-hmm. So it's over the top. So like if it's a simple, a simple spot, let's say you, you hear a door open and a kid runs in, dad, dad, look, I got an A on, I mean, homework. And you hear the footsteps louder than normal. And then you hear the paper rustle. And the, as he gives it to the father and you hear the rustle, oh, that's great, Billy. We'll put it here in the fridge. And you hear a snap. And I'll, he wants some orange shoes. Oh, sure. And you hear the fridge open and the bottles inside jiggle around. Because you have to, like, explain to the brain what's going on. If it was on camera, all the effects would be half the level because it'd be like, are you kidding me? You know, what is this a... Uh, you know, what's going on here? You know, why is everything so loud? Uh, so, yeah. So, in radio, it's completely different. It has to, it's the same... Uh, the same effects are needed 
uh, uh, well, not not as many because you don't have you don't have like body movement and and you don't need to see the room. There's not a clock ticking in the background that we need to hear and you know that the windows open so we don't hear kids playing. Why are we hearing kids? Are they outside? You know because you can need it. So it's very basic, but it has to be very a very direct, very discreet uh, approach to like for radio to like explain the story or help ex- or assist the, a story being told. Mm-hmm. You know, open the cupboard door. And yes, you have to say, I'm going to I'm gonna check here in the cupboard for the rice. Uh-huh. You know, right. if you just heard a, a door open, I think it's a door, is it a cupboard? And you hear like a, you know, the rice in the box. Like, what is that? You got to say, I'm in the cupboard. Uh, the, I'm getting, I'm going to get the rice in the cupboard just a moment, you know. And you hear the, you know, cupboard door open and you come back on camera and on, on mic and all that. So, uh-huh. yeah, so all, that's a completely different animal. Wow. Hmm. Theater of the mind. Right. Right. It's supposed to feeder of the eye. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess in a lot of senses, the old school radio drama techniques yeah. are still, <laughs> yeah, still there. Still, that's that. that's how yeah. I began. I she was uh, that was when I was a kid. Uh, I I'm 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 uh, dangerously handy. I, I could fix things and take them apart and not get them back together again. But uh, <laughs> I'd coming home from school, I'd pick up uh, broken things that people have tossed out, like fans and. Back then, where their radios had tubes in them, and so I found this uh, radio that was tossed out that ap- happened to work. It didn't have the case for it. The tubes lit up and all that, and there was no speaker. So I found a speaker I had, and I hooked it up, and it worked. Uh, it only lasted for about an hour and ten minutes for some reason, and then huh. something overheated, and it just stopped working. It would be a big zzzz, like a hum. So I used to listen to the uh, CBS Mystery Theater. I think it was called the Mystery Theater, the Macabre. I think E.G. E.G. Marshall. And they had these on Sunday nights. They would have these radio shows, and they would have these dramas with sound effects, like I was describing. And, and that's how I grew up was that. And also, my dad being a voice talent actor, that helped me, you know, be around it and hanging out in studios when I was a kid, not knowing what the heck's going on. Hmm. Why is the guy saying this script for the fifteenth time in a row? <laughs> it was find the fourth one, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow! So your dad was a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, he started out uh, acting. He's still around. He'll be ninety-four at the end of July, of all things. Uh, and then on camera, he was uh, chosen, but didn't. I'm mean, not chosen, but he was in line to be actually Bozo here in town. Huh. But they chose a Bob Bell instead. But he was on a show before that called Lunchtime Little Theater, and he was Uncle Bob. The last year and a half, he was on. So he's a voice talent, and he was known as a character voice, and he was one of the original Keebler voices before they went to L.A. to get to, to get the real voices. <laughs> oh, the, those L.A. The L.A. Yeah. Well, yeah. they do a test here. They, <laughs> back then, they would do like get the voices like Joel Corey and my dad, Bob Barron, and other people would be the voices of these icons, huh. these characters uh, back in the day when that was big, and they would then test it in like test markets, Minneapolis, mm. Indianapolis, Chicago and see how it reacts, and they'd fine-tune the campaign, and then they would go to the coast and do it full up. Wow. So, but that was that was how, and it happened still that way. Uh-huh. But uh, Was that around here? Did you grow up around Chicago? Yeah, north side Chicago. Grew up uh, north side Chicago, and, uh, yeah, would come downtown and, uh, you know, check out the studios hmm. when I was old enough to, like, figure out what was going on, on like, you know, 15 or 16. Before right. that, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, what studios would you go to? Well, there was it was called Studio One, which is I en- ended up working there. Uh, also, a place called Sound Studios. Um, there was a place called um, Fred Niles was a film studio. They did recordings there, but most of it was film work, so they'd shoot on camera. And my dad was also doing stuff on camera, so we would go to those places. I tag along. Um, Fred Niles Sound Studios, DB Zenith, um, uh, all those except wait, all of those are gone. Um, yeah, uh, there's only a, there's only a handful that are not even a handful. There's like 
too. I think CRC and, of course, ARU Chicago has been around since the previous century. I think 88 ARU started. Wow. And the owner of ARU back then was Mike King, and he actually was working at CRC, worked for Mm -hmm. Allen. Uh, back in the day as a post-production. CRC was nothing like it is now. It was just, a, I think, a one mm-hmm. or two banger. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, time goes on. So, yeah. long time to be around downtown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seen a lot. Yeah. A lot of changes. Is, is that how you got into engineering, was from your experiences with your father? It was. Actually, he had at home, uh, he had a reel-to-reel at home where he would do his voiceover demos or he would do, like, auditions or he would practice for a play he was doing or something so he'd record himself and then he'd play it back and he'd like he he record the other people's lines and then he would then play that back and then he would do then his line so he we would know how to do the scene whatever it may be a tv spot or, or an industrial film so then he got a when he would get a new tape recorder he would give me his old one and then he and we and he'd show me how to use it and how to play with it those sound on sound and get the reverb going and the tape slap back and and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of fun. So it was a hobby for me. So then in high school, I was in a band. And the band, uh, when you graduate, you get an album of the band. They record the band. Well, my teacher had a tape recorder, which was exactly the kind I had at home. So I said, you know, I know how to record this. And I and I had better mics than he did. So I recorded the – my first album was the high school band, which I don't know if I have anymore. Uh, so then I was really getting into it. And I thought – and then I was my, – my buddies were in a band called Burn – uh, and uh, it's a great burn. Band name. Yeah, I know burn. <laughs> We're always wearing band aids. Why? Well, we burned ourselves. Uh, so the um, uh, we recorded in someone's basement, and I would set up my microphones and record these horrible uh, recordings. But I still have I still have them. I found a few of them. My friend of mine uh, actually converts reel to reel to to digital, so I was able to send that. So I got involved in that, and then I was like, well, this is a lot of fun. And then I was a teenager then and then I asked my dad can I hang out at some studio no I said can I yeah I said can I hang out at some stu- can you talk to the owner of one of the studios and let me hang out all day and watch sessions because now I'm like I want, I want to know what's going on here so I ended up uh, get working uh, sitting in at, at a place called Studio One which is one block north of where we are now and I sat in the studio and um uh, watched it, and then uh, after uh, after a day or two, I think, I walked into the, the boss's uh, office, and I said, his name was Kirk, I said, hey, thanks for letting me come in and sit in sessions. I, I, don't, know if I, learned, I, I don't know if I learned anything, but uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> and he says, you, you looking for a job? Now, at this point, uh-huh. I had been working at a, I was still living at home, I was like 25 years old, uh-huh. and I was across the street was a park, and in that was a little metal stand, like not more than like eight feet by 12 feet long and was selling hot dogs during the summertime. So I'm working at this place. And so he says to me, so you're looking for a job? And I said, oh, I already have one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, why did I say that? You know? So then he said, oh, okay. I said, well, no, I work at a, he, oh, he said, what kind of a job do you have? And I said, I work at a hot dog stand. He says, would, would you like to work here? I said, well, yes. You know, like, you know, uh-huh. what, why would I, you know? <laughs> so then I started basically just, we call it in, in the back, uh, duplicating back then everything was real to real. So any spots that were finished, radio spots that were finished were duplicated on five inch reels and delivered uh, by messenger to the radio stations. So the only job was to uh, make the duplication, vacuum the studio, stock them with tape and reels and all, mm-hmm. all alike. And uh, so I started there and I just was there 10 and a half years. And when I left, I was, uh, I was chief engineer, and then I was hired by Joby Cerny. He built a place called Cerny American Creative, and I was there for 27 years. 
And I've been here now at ARU Chicago for three years. And I don't know where I'll be next. Yeah. I'm probably in a wheelchair someplace. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you've you been involved in the basically the full transition from analog to Pro Tools. Oh, <laughs> boy, did I hate that. Yeah. I remember said, I can edit this thing so fast and tape here. Watch, you know, <laughs> five, six seconds later. There, it's done. See, look. And, and I was using Sonic Solutions to begin with. And I hated the thing. It's like, what's a computer? Not what's a computer, but how do I use this computer? And, you know, the mouse pad and... Yeah, and then I just I hated it. I really hated it because I was I was comfortable. I had all my tools. I knew how to do everything just right. And I have to like it's like you know, a carpenter. Okay, not to use butter now instead of a knife. Like what do you mean? You know. So uh, and and also I didn't like it because I wasn't t- I wasn't touching it anymore. Mm. Back mm-hmm. in the day with tape, audio engineers, music or post production, we touched everything. When we would reach over to the console, it was an analog console, and every knob and switch and fader. That we moved and pushed the buttons for the the, the uh, push the button that was passing audio. Everything was passing audio. When we would grab and adjust the gain structure and compression on a, a, a Yuri eleven seventy six, we're adjusting the potentiometer that's actually adjusting the voltage for the audio chain and, and so forth. You know, and then also tape. You know, we're touching the tape. There it is. We, we pick it up. We move it over here. I cut it, I splice it, I t- it's warm. Oh, got a little pizza on there, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's there. It's touching. The machines are warm after a while because they've been running and all that. And then with digital, it's like I got a TV screen or a monitor. Mm-hmm. Back in then, it was a CRT, so it was a TV mm-hmm. screen. All right. And a keyboard, like I'm going to send a letter out to somebody, and then a mouse. It's like, what uh-huh. what happened to all my stuff? Right. And I hated it. But then once once I I had a for I said, well, okay, this is it's on my plate because everyone else here in town is using it. So once I embraced it and all that, then I was like, oh, oh, I get it. So right. I, I go, okay. Oh, you mean I could back up? I could, oh, <laughs> this is not. You have an undo button. An undo button? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put one of that on my car. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a huge, you know, and then multiple takes that can record over something. Oh, no, it's a race. No, it's not erasing. It's not. Look, it's not there anymore. Well, no, look in your bin. <laughs> went, What's it doing uh-huh. over there? You know, so it's to wrap my head around the right. idea of a, of a and, and to erase something, you have to go like two two levels, right? You know, delete. Yeah. Are you sure you want to delete? Uh, you know, so that never happens in analog. You right. Hit record. It's like, <laughs> fine. <Yeah. laughs> oh, you're not going to warn me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are those are uh, different days. The uh, the undo buttons and the multiple takes sure are a, uh, a lifesaver. It it is, and I tell you, it's nothing against engineers that are that have never had tape and all that. But I will say one thing about the days when there was tape, and it's, it's and again, and it's, there's nothing against the people now. Back in the day when I got involved in it, not everybody could could do the audio work, and it wasn't because of their brain; it was because how they're wired. Almost like mm. you have a um, a blackjack dealer. You know, you watch those guys; they're really good with those cards. They're, they they know how to throw them out just the right distance. You know, or a, a, a magician. Not everybody could do it because there was a dexterity. That was involved in holding and in, in handling the tape and all that, not knowing, I mean, not not stretching the tape, you know, knowing how to. And then also, you look at the tape and there's nothing written on there. So you don't know what, you know, now there's files, everything has a number, you could call it, you know, back in. So you had to like be able to manage all that. And 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 that's the that's the difference. So, like, if 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 a person was not good at managing where they put the reels, which seems like a ridiculous thing, and then also you'd edit and you'd have tape, I'd have tape around my around my neck, you know, and um, you just have to like keep, you know, 
what's going on. Like a chef, you have to know what's going on, you know. And it's just have to like you know you're very you can't make a mistake because it's not there is no undo button. Mm-hmm. And so that that was what a lot of people just didn't get involved mm-hmm. with because it just wasn't their thing. Right. And now, of course, that's not the case. So you can you can have a great head for uh, mixing and effects and whatnot, and not have the dexterity. That's that's fine. So you're mm-hmm. in, you know. So yeah. those people never were able to get in because they dexterity kept them away, right? Right. Or the logistics of tape and yeah. all that. You know, make sure you have enough tape on the reel before you hit record. <laughs> right. You better better be keeping track of your <laughs> time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing to me, uh, the difference in working on say a song when you have no visual representation of it. You know. Like the amount that you have to be familiar with that song in an intricate way if you're, you know, if someone says you go to the second chorus, whatever, obviously you have your times marked down stuff. But when you start talking about like time to do a punch or something like mm. in Pro Tools, it's kind of a no brainer. Like, yeah, just put the cursor before the chorus. Here we go. And then oh, I'll sew right. it up. Where with tape, you really had to think like, OK, who's got the pickup note? Is that you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you had to really be inside of the song. And sometimes it'd be two way. people there to have the engineer who's actually tracking when you have another engineer assistant who's like keeping the logs mm-hmm. you know he'll make sure the engi- you know the, the engineer is actually doing it right you yeah. know you're not no That's no right tech 15 around yeah. 15 oh yeah right you know yeah uh yeah it's it can because you hit the record button and it's gone right well bob thank you so much for taking some time with me you're Every welcome day. it's been great talking about all this i appreciate it. it was very nice i i didn't know i did so much <laughs> <laughs> well we'll add some more stuff later that you can find out about great when it, when it airs i'd like to hear what i did <laughs> right. thanks again for more on Bob, check out arUchicago.com. You've been listening to Electricians and Mad Men. Today's interview was recorded at ARU in Chicago, Illinois. Our theme music was written and performed by Brian Koenigsnacht. For show notes, links, and more episodes, visit electriciansandmadmen.com. I'm Ian Gorman of La Luna Recording and Sound. Thanks for listening.